Welcome to the Vitality Shift Podcast for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. Weekly, we will be interviewing amazing chiropractors from around the world, finding out how they made their vitality shift. If you're a chiropractor that either wants to just move your practice away from treating pain and conditions, or if you just want to stay inspired, this podcast is for you. For more information on past shows, please visit www.drdonmcdonald.com, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Vitality Shift Podcast for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and today is an extremely special honor as I get to bring on one of the biggest mentors that has had an insane impact on my life besides my wife. (laughs) But this mentor I met probably in about 2005 or 2004 at a breakthrough experience in Calgary. And it just happens to be the time that I met one of my best friends, Dr. Ernest Lee, which we've had a previous podcast talking about all our learnings from Dr. Martini, And I am so proud to be able to bring him to you guys and share because we've referenced him multiple times throughout the almost 200,000 downloads that we've had so far on the podcast. And so I just want to really have everybody just listen in because this is going to be amazing. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Martini. I really appreciate you coming. Oh, thank you for having me. This is amazing. So the first thing I want to do is I wanted to start off with some gratitude because I know you're always big into gratitude because that opens up your heart wide. Two things that I'm the most grateful for for you. The first thing is my wife, because after that first breakthrough, like I had this fantasy in my brain that everybody had to be on the same page in a family. Everybody had to do everything together. You had to toe the line. And I didn't think you're allowed to have your own thoughts. And that was one of the biggest breakthroughs in my mind. And when I came home from that breakthrough, my wife was like, thank God I don't have to divorce you. (laughs) So from that point on, we've developed an amazing relationship. And it's funny because we talk to chiropractors all over the world now. And a lot of them ask us about our marriage. And it's funny because those were the key principles at the Breakthrough Experience that really actually helped with that. And then the second thing we just talked right before we went live was uh, I've been listening to some of your, because you have a Facebook page right now for the COVID-19 to help out people through there. And you're saying you need to have savings. And I want to thank you for that as well, because I have at least three to six months of savings in cash. And so when we are forced, because right now in Canada, we're basically forced to shut except for emergency cases. And I'm not that stressed. Like I don't like using up my, you know, I don't like using up my cushion, but I have it there. So I just wanted to start off by just thanking you so much for all that you've done for me. Well, cash for the crash. Cash for the crash. This is uh, a time to buy now that it's down. And this is the people who have managed their money wisely receive more money to manage. Right. So I'll get into those two things later. But first of all, like a lot of our listeners, we have a lot of students, chiropractic students and young people in practice. And, and I just want you to maybe just tell them a little bit about your journey into chiropractic. Well, I, when I was a teenager, I was a long-haired hippie surfer. <laughs> and I nearly died at 17. And I was led to a little evening class presented by Paul C. Bragg. And one night, one hour, this one man inspired me to do what I'm doing today, which is involved in the teaching and healing and profession. And I got inspired to want to be involved in healing. And I didn't believe that there was an excess of organs or deficiency of drugs in the world. I believe that there was a power that actually made this body could heal the body. And I studied natural healing approaches and found out about naturopathy, chiropractic, osteopathy, medicine, all different fields. And I wasn't sure which path to go because the mentor that I got inspired by at 17 was a naturopath. But there wasn't a lot of naturopathic colleges and a lot of influence that that had. It seemed like kind of a, it'd be second rate, if you will. And one time I was getting ready to go surfing in the summertime, going back to Kauai. And on the 
way to go to the surfing, I ended up deciding to go instead to Peru. And I got hijacked by a Cuban hijacker and ended up in Peru by a very serendipitous mechanism. And then um, I ended up meeting the governor of Peru and I stayed with him and his son, who was a surfer. And the governor told me to make sure while I'm here to go to Machu Picchu, which is an Inca fortress. Yes. And so while I was on that trip, I ended up going to, I hitchhiked all the way down towards Chile, up towards Arequipa, and then I took a train ride into Cusco. And then I hiked up to Machu Picchu. And I had a backpack with me, and I had a bunch of books with me. And one of them was called The Chiropractic Story by Marcus Bach. Uh-huh. And if you've never read that book, whoever's listening, you might find that intriguing and inspiring to read. Now, what's interesting is I read that book, and I knew that I knew that I knew when I read that book that that was the philosophy, that was the pathway that I was to take. So when I got back into the States after that tour for the summer surfing, I uh, contacted the chiropractic colleges, and there happened to be one in Texas. So I enrolled in that, and I was allowed to enter into that. And I knew that that was, when I got there, I said, this is it, because it was not approaching it from a perspective that there was an extrinsic cause and an extrinsic solution, but it was an intrinsic cause and an intrinsic solution. And I was willing to give people their power instead of taking away the power. If we blame a bug and we then take this potion out here, it's all external and it's not honoring the magnificence of the hidden physiology and the order of the body. Innate, we would call it in philosophy. But this book outlined it and I think every chiropractor could benefit by reading this book if they haven't, in case it's updated for them. So that's what inspired me to be it. Then I went on to Texas Chiropractic College, and I was introduced to a very lovely gentleman who had six PhDs. He was 35 years old, a very bright guy. And he introduced me to many, many different things. He had a doctor in physiology. He was a naturopath. He was a chiropractor. He was a doctor in philosophy. He was a theologian. He was a very interesting guy. And I learned a great deal from him, studying with him. And I knew when I got there, I was in the right place at the right time to meet the right people. And I studied everything I could about physiology. I I wanted to take it down from the gross anatomy down to the quantum level. And I literally would run that in my mind all the way down until I did it. Because I I realized that the most magnificent structure found in the universe was the physical body and the brain and the nervous system. And that's the most intricate system we found anywhere in the universe. And we're the specialist of that. And we're, when we make an adjustment, which means add, which means move to center, just means into balance, and meant means the mind. When we use the physical structure, like in a sense of violin, and tune it and bring an adjustment and make it perfectly tuned, the power this made to this body does bring healing to this body. And we're not interfering with it. We're actually taking away the impedance and allow the flowing conduction of impulses of the nerves to express themselves to the maximum capacity. And so I fell in love with the principles. And even though I'm not practicing full-time today, it's the principles that inspired me, and still to this day are the principles I use as I travel the world and teach. So I'm a firm believer that we are gifted by the realization that we were called into the profession, because not everybody resonated with that. Not everybody had the, the majority of people conform to society and subordinate to external traditions and conventions and mores and artificial hypocritical moralities. And they just automatically assume that they're supposed to be extrinsically driven, living deontologically by duty and conformity and in the shadows of people, that they don't even question the authorities that are running their lives. And many of the ideologies that we sacrifice our real true potential with 
is stopping us from maximizing our physiological and psychological potential. And it's the chiropractor that helps people as a maverick and an innovator and a creative thinker and a square peg in a round hole and a misfit, as Jobs would say, that has the courage to stand up and give people their power back and adjust the spines and subluxation. Sub means less than and beneath. Lux means light or intelligence. And Asian means a condition of something less than the fullest expression of life and intelligence in the body and allows people to reclaim their potential within so they can stand out and make a difference instead of just conform and fit in and live in the shadows of others. They can allow stand on the shoulders of giants and chiropractors like the Jacob's Ladder in that old movie of the chiropractor is, is in a sense the guidance principle for potential in the universe for people. And we're gifted that way in the sense that we had the the yearning to follow our intuition and inspiration to be that maverick. That's, yeah, no, that's amazing. And I think right now in the profession, and it just asks, because I'll ask a little bit about when you first started practice, but in the profession, and, and this is a thing because we're kind of involved a little bit in politics and a little bit in leadership, and in Canada, they got this kind of fight between vitalistic chiropractic or NMSK chiropractic and then the evidence-based chiropractors. And I was just, just wondering, because I know for us, like you can't, putting expectation on others. We don't have control over that. And there's going to be pros and cons to everything. But I was just wondering, what's your take on this yin and yang? Because the chiropractors who believe and do what you just talked about, they seem like they feel like they have to get all the other chiropractors who are more like pain-based to come along. So what's your views on that? Well, I have been involved in that, you know, for forever years now. (laughs) uh, And this is not just our profession that has this. Even in the medical profession, there's this division going on now. And when we have, the way our brain is set up, we have a, an executive center in the medial prefrontal cortex, the telencephalon, that is designed for inspired vision, strategic planning, executing plans, self-governance, and a higher degree of objectivity. We also have an amygdala down below, which is trying to avoid predator and seek prey, avoid pain and seek pleasure, which is impulsive towards pleasure and instinctual away from pain. And this one is trying to get a one-sided fantasy and trying to avoid the nightmare. In Buddhism, it said the desire for that which is unavailable, fantasy, and the desire to avoid that which is unavoidable, the nightmare, is a source of human suffering. So we must have objectivity. Right. There's absolutely no reason a chiropractor has to have this split. I was speaking in Minneapolis, no, Mississippi, pardon me, many years ago, 30-something years ago, and I had Jimmy Gregg and Ken Ludicky. Jimmy Gregg was the head of the ICA, and Ken Ludic was the head of the ACA, on both sides of me at a conference, and I was speaking in the middle. <laughs> That's ironic, though, isn't it? Just that whole... Yeah, I, because <laughs> I, I, I was transcendental to their imminent thinkings, and I was trying to say that there's no reason why you can't have both. There's no reason why you can't objectively document the impact you're doing, but at the same time, be inspired by a vision and be enthused and fervent in the expression of something you know is true that's ahead of time. So there's no reason why you can't have both of those. I'm a firm believer, and I feel I do. So in my practice, when I would make an adjustment, I would also measure the impact it was having and keep objective data on that impact and show repeatedly that I was making changes in range of motion, changes in posture, changing in pain thresholds, changing in physiology. I was keeping records of that and documenting that So I could demonstrate that. And a chiropractor that doesn't have objectivity in there will not be able to govern the patient because they'll be subjectively letting the patient run them with reactions and how they feel. And they're letting their amygdala run them. So you must have objective data 
to do that. Now, that's not subordinating to medicine. That's foolish. It's just being smart in the sense of being objective with the data so you can guide the patient wisely by the data. But at the same time, you need to be inspired by the principles because science is doing that. If you look very carefully, just a few years ago, they did some fantastic research showing that nerve reflexes help the immune system, and they're now creating a neuroimmunology where they're actually stimulating nerve reflexes to maximize immune functions. Well, the very things that they're doing that's a new discovery is exactly what we've been saying in chiropractic all along, except we know that piezoelectrical effects and the positions and tensions and compressions on vertebra because of muscular contractions are impeding or, you know, accentuating these impulses and slowing and speeding them down and causing abnormal impulses and causes physiological and psychological impact. It's not rocket science. It's common sense. And the only reason why a person wouldn't use science to help them is because they don't understand it. Because applied science is applied physiology and applied neurology does nothing but support what we do. The evidence is overwhelming in that direction. So there's no reason why there has to be a conflict. The only reason you're a conflict is because you're living in a subjective bias survival mentality and you're trying to focus on just getting rid of pain and only pleasure, which is kind of the, the mixer model. Or you're sitting there and going, I don't want to have to go through and be accountable. I just want to be this kind of religious person. Both of those by themselves only split themselves and create polarities and subjective biases that disempower and divide the profession. Wisdom is integrating the two and being inspired by a mission, having principles that you follow, understand that a subluxation does interfere with life. It's definitely documentable. And to understand that if you adjust the subluxations and you do it with presence and you do it with certainty and you're loving what you're doing and you're grateful for doing it and you're actually present with it, you amazingly are more efficient in the expression of your science objectively. And then you can document what you do. And the ones that do document it are the ones that love telling people about it and letting patients tell people about it and grow the practice. So there's absolutely no reasons why these can't be integrated. That's good. Yeah. And then again, that's what we really try to teach with all of our people is just really having objective measures because then you're almost like a cheerleader to show all these different things because people have a horrible memory because they don't notice those little changes. Just like as your physiology starts to break down, you don't notice the little changes until it becomes larger. And then as it's improving, they don't notice it. Right. So I think that's really cool to be able to pay attention to that. Well, we used to have patients, we would say, instead of asking, how do you feel today, which is basically letting your amygdala run their things, and they could be volatile, they could have made love on a trapeze the night before, and <laughs> who knows what they did. You can't base it on that. You have to be able to base it on range of motion and base it on tension and tightness, muscular strengths and weaknesses. You need to have some sort of objective measurement systems to guide the patient. Imagine this. I use this analogy, and it's an old analogy. And it may be a little bit outdated because I've been around it longer. But if you went into the dentist and you were laying in a chair and the dentist said, how are your teeth doing? Right. <laughs> you're kind of like, well, doc, I came here to find out. I didn't hear that. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> right. Think about how ridiculous that is. You're letting the chaos run the order instead of the order run the chaos. The reason why people are having disorder is because their life is in disorder. They're not living by highest priorities. They're not filling their day with high priority things. They're not delegating lower priority things. They're not living with an inspired mission. They're living to eat instead of eating to live. They're not living wisely. And your job as a chiropractor, in addition to adjusting subluxations, is to educate them and inspire them on wise lifestyle choices and actions so they're less likely to have subluxation in the first place. And if you guide them and direct them and use objective data, you can 
change their life. And the more present you are and more certain and more inspired you are about doing that, you will automatically have respect from people. And they will not say, well, I'm feeling fine. I don't need to come in. They will say, doc, let's see how I'm doing. So I would tell the patient when they would come in, let's see what your spine says today. Let's see what your physiology reveals today. And then I would tell them what it was revealing objectively, not asking them subjectively all the time. Because what you do is you just gave your power away to them in the sense of their chaos, and you didn't guide them based on what your knowledge is. You're the one that's gone for all the years of education to guide them. You want them to have their power back by helping them live wisely, but you don't want to make them run your chaos because otherwise your office will be chaos. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a good segue to this next part is that how does a car, and again, this is all you've learned if you went to the breakthrough experience, but for chiropractors that are kind of like stressed out right now, because like for us, you got to close your office. Some people haven't. How do people kind of control the chaos in their own mind, like the chiropractors out there? Well, stress or distress, because there's eustress and distress. Distress has two forms and only two forms. The perception of loss of that which you seek and attached to that you infatuate with and the perception of gain of that which you try to avoid, which is also an attachment, but you want to detach from it, but you're attached to it. So all distresses are either the perception of loss of that which you seek or the perception of gain of that which you don't want. The perception of bills, you don't want. The perception of income, you want. Right. So the attachment to one and the fear of gain of this one and the fear of loss of this one causes distress. Now, the more neutral you are and the less highly polarized you are in your perception, the less distress. That's called objectivity. Objectivity means even-minded. So if you're objective and you're even-minded, you know how to balance out your perspective and not be infatuated with one and resentful to the other. Seek and avoid is an animal amygdala behavior. The objective center of the prefrontal cortex is objectivity. And objectivity knows that there's two sides. Let me use an analogy. An animal in the wild has two systems it's dealing with, a prey for food and a predator for being eaten. If it perceives prey as good and predator as bad, and only good and only bad, and no midpoint, then it's going to fear the loss of prey, and it's going to fear the gain of predator, and it's going to live with anxiety, and it's going to live in the survival mode. But if it knows that if it gets prey without predator, it goes and overeats and becomes gluttonous and becomes unfit and fat and slow, and therefore predators target it to eat it. If you get the predator without the prey, you starve and you get emaciated. But if you get the prey and the predator together in a perfect balance, you maximize your fitness. Well, when you have cash reserves, you have long-term vision, you have patients that you educate, and you basically reschedule them accordingly, then you're more objective, you're less fearful of losing something and less infatuated with gaining something. And so as a result of that, you're able to basically center yourself. So the wise thing to do is to learn how to find and extract meaning out of the event. Finding the meaning is finding the mean between the polarities. Uh So you ask yourself, okay, so I'm having bills come in. How are those bills serving me? How can I be using them? Do I communicate with these people and say, right now, the cash flow is this, and I'll be paying you these increments along the way, and manage it. Don't avoid it, manage it. Be honest and manage it. Prioritize what you're doing in your practice. Trim the fat off. Make sure you're doing the most efficient and effective, highest priority actions you can. Make sure you're targeting and prioritizing your patients. This is a great time right now, if you're not able to be in the office, to clean up the office, organize the office, streamline everything, throw out anything that's not priority, and to be thinking and memorizing every patient's name that you've ever served and memorize them because if they're in your mind, they become in your patients. If you're out of sight, out of mind. 
be focusing on it. Then when it comes, you learn to make sure that you save a portion of it and stick it into savings, into taxes, and manage your money wisely in the future so you're not in this situation where you're cash poor. If people are cash poor and not valuing what they're doing and not valuing things, and they're not valuing themselves or money. And so what it does is it forces them to learn how to master their lives and empower the areas of their life right now. So by prioritizing what you're doing and find the upsides to what you think is down and the downsides to the fantasy about how you wish it would be, because comparing your current reality to a fantasy how it wish it be is only going to lead to depression and anger. But understanding what is and then finding out how whatever's going on right now, how do I use it to my greatest advantage? I think it's Bill Gates that basically asked a simple question. What can I do today with the resources I have to serve the greatest number of people in the most effective and efficient way that inspires me? That's what you do. There's a lot of opportunities right now to go online and to communicate with all the patients. Care about them, think about them, communicate with them, tell them we'll reschedule at this time. Here's what you can do at home while we're waiting. Keep engaged with your patients and care. That's what your job is as caring professional. And then be thinking of what I can do to make sure that when, when they come back in the office, my office is streamlined, it's clean, it's efficient, it's ready for the greatest growth of the practice. I would memorize every patient's name because I guarantee if you memorize all the patient's names you do, how many of those people will show back up when you're back on. And then you'll make up for this so-called setback. You'll see it as a slingshot effect of opportunity. Now, that's awesome. Again, again, I think too, when you get busy, like for me, for example, I've been in practice for 21 years, get busy, I start to lose patients' names. Like I, like I know their face, I know everything about them, but I don't know their names. So that's an amazing thing that I'm actually going to go back because I'm pretty bad. Can I, can I share something with you? Yeah. In the 80s, I used to go to a lot of chiropractic offices, as you know. Yeah. And uh, sometimes four or five a week. Wow. And about a thousand of them. And we did the old file day. And I'm sure that most everybody on this call will have done the file day where you actually take and divvy up, oh, say, 20 patients that are inactive that have not been in in six months and have everybody in the office contemplate, think, and read their files and think about them and think about what they would do, their primary subluxations, their primary reasons for coming in, their parents, their children, their spouses' names, what they do, and just devour the information about their lives and think about them. We found out that 20% of those people showed back up in the office within a week. That was a consistent number that repeatedly did. I had a doctor that was in Chicago, and he asked me to consult with him. And I came in the night before, and I, I said, how many do you see on a daily basis? He said this amount. I said, I want to show you something. And I said, right now, I'm going to take a piece of paper, and you're going to tell me the names of all your patients. And the second you pause for more than two to three seconds, I'm going to stop you. And you're going to rattle off every name of every patient you can think of until we have a pause. And he goes, okay. And he said, he started rattling them off. And we got a pause right at 68 patients. And let me guess, that was his volume. That's crazy. These are so good. These are the basics that we always got to come back to that you forget about. I remember the basics. And so I told him, I said, here's your first exercise before you even get in the office tomorrow. I want you to go to your, get your files. And I want you to memorize a minimum of 250 of those patients. I want you to think about every one of them and I want you to memorize them. I want you to be thinking about it because if they're out of your mind, they're out of your office. That's and before we finished that day in his office, he got four new patients, which more than paid for my services. Yeah. Yeah. We had you in our office twice back in the day. Remember those little masterminds we had too and those things. Actually, it's funny because you'd be talking and then Brandy, my wife, would be elbowing me all the time. And you said, don't worry, Brandy. He'll pay me a lot of money to hear the same thing you're telling him, but you'll, he'll listen to me because he's paying me. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> a spouse is a consultant that's unpaid, right? Exactly. Now, I just want to talk a little bit about the self-worth thing, because again, this is the biggest thing when you said, when I asked you before, what's the biggest challenge you think is in the chiropractic profession? And you said it was chiropractors don't save enough money. And I was just wondering if you can just explain to listeners that link between saving money and helping improving self-worth and how that link goes. Well, anytime, you know, Einstein said it beautifully. If you're a cat comparing yourself to a fish, you're going to beat yourself up because you're not swimming well. If you're a fish comparing yourself to a cat expecting to climb, you're not going to, you're going to beat yourself up. If you're a chiropractor comparing yourself to medicine, you're going to beat yourself up. But if you're a chiropractor honoring your own profession and honoring yourself as a master healer, you're going to do what great. But the second we compare ourselves to other people and expect ourselves to be somebody we're not, we self-depreciate. And the self-depreciation is a natural feedback mechanism to let us know we're not pursuing authenticity. We're not being true to our own highest values, what's meaningful to us. So you got to know yourself. You need to know what your real highest values are, and you need to live by priority. Now, I did a very interesting exercise many years ago, and I did it back when I was 27 going on 28. So it's been a few years. I'm almost 66 now. (laughs) So what's interesting is I made a list of everything I do in my practice in a day. And then I made a list of everything. What is it produced per hour? Then I made a list of how much meaning does it have? Then I made a list of how much would it cost to delegate that and hire somebody to delegate that all cost, not just salary, but all cost. Then what is the actual time I spend on it? And then what is the final prioritization? And I went through and prioritized and I found out that the highest priority thing that I could do as a chiropractor, surprisingly, was going out and speaking and leveraging my message out in people. Because if I get a, did a breakfast talk, for instance, to 60 people, I'd get five new patients. A case visit average was $3,000. That's $15,000 an hour going out and talking. The second thing I found that I can do is adjusting. Right. And that adjusting is the number one thing. If you're not out speaking and sharing a message live with leverage with speaking, because professional speaking is one of the greatest leveraging factors, then you need to be adjusting and working at least one-on-one and inspiring every one of those patients to refer. And then the third thing was actually doing the initial consultations and follow-up consultations with them as you do this. So you're keeping a communication and dialogue with your patient. Now, everything else is important, but they're lower in priority and can be delegated. And a chiropractor that's not delegating lower priority things is going to devalue themselves. And they're going to lower their income. And then they're going to play small, higher probably of playing small in the community and to other professionals because they're not honoring their own magnificent and empowering themselves through delegation. Anytime you're doing lower party things, you devalue yourself. Anytime you're doing the highest party things, you value yourself. So getting out and speaking, adjusting subluxation, locating and adjusting subluxations, and keeping in communication and directing and guiding and teaching the patient, those are the top three. Everything else needs to be delegate. And I was good at that. It took me a while to figure that out. But once I did, it freed me up. And my practice grew faster when I delegated. And I also found out that when I started to save when I was 27 years old, I started $200 a month, but I made a commitment to raise it every quarter. So I made it 300, then 500, then 750, then 1,000. And then I ran a projection of if I saved $1,000 a month, where would that be? Then I didn't stop. I made it 1,100, 1,210, and 1,344. I kept increasing it 10% every quarter. And as a result of it, it became 2,000, then 4,000, then 8, then 16, then 32, and 64,000, 128,000 a month. And every time I increased my savings and valued myself and valued what I was doing and put a cushion in place to stabilize my business, I attracted more business, more opportunities, more leverage, more leads, 
And the people around me treated me as I was treating me because I was valuing myself and my profession. Because until you value you, don't expect the world to. Until you pay yourself first, don't expect your patients to. And until you actually accumulate a cushion of stability, don't expect to have anything but volatility. And so the, the lesson of economics and self-worth, stabilizing and getting into the executive center and getting the priority, all these things work together and making sure you invest in yourself and pay yourself. And don't spend that money on frivolous, low-priority things that depreciate in value, that are consumables that depreciate, but to buy assets. Because if we do that, and we build up a cushion in the profession, and then we grow. More people are going to want to be in the profession. More people are going to want to refer to the profession. And we're going to end up having the cash to be able to compete in the professions. Because if not, any area of our lives as a chiropractic that are not empowered, other organizations will overpower. Now, and again, I've done this with you, thanks to you. But if you generally didn't have savings as one of your top values, which I didn't, and I learned how to do it. But if you just tell the listeners, like, if, if they're in this point, they're just kicking themselves saying, man, I should have listened. I should have saved. Like, what kind of thing can they do at home to help to kind of pop, either get that higher up on the values or link stuff to that value so that you will be saving more? Well, there's a number of things you can do. But the first thing I would do immediately, immediately, is to get you or me to come there to their business and get a financial institution. I use Schwab as mine the financial institution, to have it automated out of your account so you don't even know it's going out. It's just going into savings. That's the first thing I would do, automate that day. Yeah. Because it's not how much you save, it's the habit of doing it. You want to develop the habit of it. And if you automate it, and emo- see, emotions destroy wealth, but automation and objectives and strategies build it. So one thing I would do there, then I would sit down and take everything that you've ever felt ashamed about or guilty about in your life to write them down and write down whatever you did that you feel ashamed about or guilty about How did it serve yourself and the people involved and become aware of what you've been unconscious of to liberate yourself from unnecessary shame and guilt, which causes a self-depreciation and causes an altruistic giving away of services and not valuing yourself? Then I would start making a list of the benefits of building a chiropractic practice that serves ever greater numbers of people and write down the benefits of doing that, the actual procedures and actual actions of building the practice. Because if you don't have a value on those actions that have proven the test of time to build it, you're not going to do it. But write them. Because every decision you make is based on what you believe will give the greatest advantage or disadvantage at any moment in time. So if you have a higher value on doing the things and benefits on doing the things that have proven to work, you'll do them. So you got to stack in your mind and reassociate in your mind the benefits of the actions that have proven to make a difference in the practice. Then I would basically write down another 100 benefits, 200 benefits of actually managing the business effectively and efficiently so it'll maximize profits. That gives a higher quality staff. It automatically makes you more stable. It makes you less emotional in the sense of reactions to patients. And you're more clear and more objective and more concise in your presentation and your, your authority. And then I would basically write down the 100 to 200 benefits of saving an ever-progressive portion of the profit by saving and increasing the savings every quarter, like I mentioned. And to, because what that does is squeezes efficiency into your office and forces you to take out entropy and unexpected bills and put order to them and standardize all your bills so you don't have volatilities in your payments. You have a standard thing. If you have a, an Amex card or whatever, find an average amount that you pay and stick to averages so you have less volatilities. Because whoever has volatilities pushes money away and whatever has certainties brings money to them. Then I would put down um, another one to 200 benefits of investing in ever greater degrees of leverage, learning how to actually stair-step 
through the classes of investing, through indices, which are the lowest cost, lowest turnover, highest yielding investments, to buy stocks and buy companies that are going to go up. Right now, we have a gold mine. I just bought a lot of money, millions of dollars into the market about a week and a half ago. And this is great. This is, this is the, the high time to be buying stock market. Right. And then you want to make sure you put another 100, 200 benefits of accumulating a fortune because by accumulating a fortune, you have stability and you're able to not work because you have to, but work because you love to. And that is a different plane of serving people. And you have more people wanting to join you and become a chiropractor and you'll have more people in chiropractic colleges. Your success isn't just about how many patients you've seen. It's the patients that have become chiropractors and the people that have you inspired to want to go on into the profession. That's a sign that you're doing something that's exemplifying what people are inspired by. And then maybe 200 benefits of creating a financial cause that leaves a legacy. And write those down so you have some reason to accumulate a wealth in your life. If nothing else, you could build a chiropractic college or you could you could actually educate students and create a philanthropic fund and, and for some sort of a, a way of helping students get through school, whatever may way, and then they can come and train through you. But it's you need some motive to grow wealth because if you do, our profession, if every chiropractor had some wealth, we would be leading the professions instead of sitting there subordinating it. When I see chiropractors subordinating to medicine, I'm just a shock by it yeah. because we have something that they need. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not here to subordinate. We're here to stand on the shoulders of great giants of leaders in our own profession. Right. No, I think that's, that's huge. Now, I think because like the biggest things I've done, I think I've done three breakthrough experiences with you. I've done, we did a financial mastery here in Edmonton that we did like how many years ago I've done prophecy. And so I just wondered if you would just maybe tell the listeners a little bit about how you came up with the actual breakthrough experience. And I know that there's opportunities now for people to do it online. Plus you travel all over the world, but I was just wondering if you just tell the listeners a little bit about how you developed the breakthrough experience and that will let them know how they can get more information well, on that. I was asked to come up and speak to the BBs of Quebec, which is the Brown baggers from the Parker institutional branch up in Quebec. Yeah. I was going to speak in uh, three rivers, place up there. And I was passing through, <laughs> yeah, up in the Quebec area, and I was passing through Montreal, flying to Montreal from Houston. And in that flight, I was just closing my eyes and meditating a moment and had kind of a, a Jack Bowen gold book with me, which I still have in my office. Not that I use that today, but it, the original one that that day I have is sitting in my door. And in there, I got an inspired vision to create a program called the VIP program, the Breakthrough to Higher Power program. And it said, an idea whose time has come, within the tiny seed lies a mighty oak. And I wrote all this thing down, and I drew what I saw in my mind. It's like a vision in the mind. And I started it, and I wanted it to be for originally a dozen chiropractors sitting around a board table discussing how to grow their practice and become leaders. That's how it originally started. But then what happened is people started coming to this program. I started launching it. People started coming to it back in the late 80s. And people kept calling it the Breakthrough Experience. So we changed the title to what people kept calling it. And we grew it from 12 people to 24 people and 36 people. And I've had it up to 300 people. I just did one in Istanbul in January for 235 people. And we're going to be doing a bigger one of 500 people in, in next January in Istanbul. So I, I've let that grow, but that program I've done 1,094 times. Wow. And I'm getting ready to do it this weekend online because the coronavirus has helped us go online, which is, I'm thankful. I call it St. Corona now. Uh, but it basically is helping us go online so now we can reach people countries. I have students in every country on earth now. We have millions of students. So in the process of doing it, I can now reach people around the world. But the principles that I used in my practice in chiropractic are the same principles. And what I want to do is help people master their lives. 
to become leaders. See, if we don't empower ourselves intellectually, we'll be told what to think. If we don't empower ourselves in business, we'll be told what to do. If we don't empower ourselves financially, we'll be told what we're worth. If we don't empower ourselves in relationship and learn how to communicate effectively in other people's values and honor people who they are, we'll be trapped. If we don't empower ourselves socially, we'll be told propaganda to believe and we'll be subordinating to propaganda. If we don't empower ourselves physically, we'll be told what organs to remove and what drugs to take. If we don't empower ourselves spiritually, we'll be told some dogma that's antiquated, that's dissociated, disempowering for the masses. If you want to master your life, the breakthrough experiences for people that want to master it and want to spend and stand on my shoulders. I've been spending 47 years studying everything I can to master life and to help doing that. I've been blessed to teach, as you know, a long time, 47 years. And what that program is, is how to basically empower all seven. And if you're a chiropractor, I absolutely certain it could make a difference of you leading the profession instead of following the profession. When people come up to me, I was speaking in Toronto, and a chiropractor, it's about 80 chiropractors, and a chiropractor put his hand up and he said, Dr. DiMartini, where do you think the profession's going? And I said, if you're having to ask me, you're a follower. If you're a leader, you'd be telling me, where are you taking it? He goes, good point. I said, you have to decide where you want to take it and not be subject to other people's views. If you want to go in those places, fantastic. But if you want to take it to where you want to take it, it's up to you. And I, I tell people, if people want to go and become leaders and masters of life in all seven areas of life and grow their business and grow their wealth and grow their relationship communication effectively, lead people in society, not as a follower, but a real leader. If they want to be financially empowered, they want to have the physical vitality to, to have the energy to go do it and be inspired by their mission, then breakthroughs for that. That's what breakthroughs is about. I'm going to do everything I can to help people do that in that program. Well, and I think that's amazing because as a chiropractor, like you said, you were one of our biggest mentors to get things started. And now we influence thousands of chiropractors around the world. And so, and that's following from you. And, uh, and so we stand on the shoulders of you. And so just so you know, it's, it's working everywhere. Well, you know this because you have like thousands of students all over the place. So anybody who's listening to this, like this is kind of the foundation of what I did. So I highly recommend that you guys, that you do that. Now, I'm just wondering where can people get a hold of you or get information about your products? Well, they can simply go on to drdemartini.com, D-R-D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com. There is a value determination process that's complimentary, that's free, that is private, that you can do to help you look at what your real priorities are. So if you want to rearrange them, what to do about it, or if you want to just determine what it is so you can start prioritizing in your office and delegating things more. You're not going to live an inspired life unless you learn to delegate. You can't live an inspired life doing everything you must have people around you. And that's the beginning of leadership and learning how to lead by delegating lower priority things and doing what's really most inspiring and most productive. And when you do, you're going to have great self-worth. You're going to magnetize opportunity and people, places, things, ideas, and events and synchronicities will increase in your life accordingly. There's a new movie coming out called Thoughts Become Things. It's the 42nd movie I've been participating in now that I've gotten to be in. And it's like a sequel to The Secret. Yeah. And it's so true that our innermost dominant thought becomes our outermost tangible reality. And the breakthrough experience is designed to help people do that, to get clear about what that is and to precisely focus on that to manifest that. So if you go on my website, the website will have just thousands of articles and thousands of interviews and God knows how many YouTube videos. It's an educational experience for people who want to master their life. Now, did I also hear that you're working on a book or you got a book coming out, a newer book coming out? We've got a new book that are just uh, finalizing and editing, uh, dealing with my grief process and how to dissolve grief that we used in Christchurch uh, earthquake. We did it in the tsunami in Phuket. We did it in Japan tsunami recently in 2012 there, 11. And we just did it in the earthquake 
It's the method I've developed on that. That's just being finished. We've got another book on the path of mastery and possibly reactivating an older book called The Wisdom of the Oracle being updated. So we're looking at all those. Plus, I'm working on other manuals and things that I do. You know, I'm not always you're always doing stuff, right? That's nonstop re- research, right? Travel teach. Okay, that's great. Well, we're coming to the end of our time. And so I was just wondering, you know, we got chiropractors all over the place. You know, they're all different stages of practice. Students, they might be struggling. They might just want to be looking for some inspiration. You know, I'm super proud that, that you're one of our leaders in chiropractic. And I just, you've inspired me so much. What kind of words of wisdom would you like to leave all of our listeners out there? Well, something at some moment in your life whispered, intuitively an inspiration in your mind that says, I want to be a chiropractor. You never want to forget the moment you were called into the profession. And you want to make sure you get clear on what that mission is because you can't fake it. Your patients can feel when you're there and present in the office. And when you're about to adjust it, they know if you're present. And the most powerful marketing tool you got is presence. If you're really, really grateful for the opportunity to serve, you're inspired by the vision and mission that you're on. And you believe with confidence and certainty in the principles that you've been studying and physiology, applied physiology, and you're very, very present, it's impossible for you not to grow the practice. But you have to make sure that you really care about it. You can't fake it. You need to sit down and really think about those people's lives and why you're there and focus on it. You need equity between you and them. You don't want to sit there and narcissistically project onto them what you expect the world to do. You need to meet their needs. You don't want to be altruistically sacrifice your profits to serve them. You want to have equitable, fair exchange. You want to have equanimity within yourself or authenticity. And you want to go and get clear on your mission and go out and make sure that nothing on this planet is interfering with that. When you have a situation where you're willing to do whatever it takes, travel whatever distance, pay whatever price to give your service of love in this profession, I guarantee you people will do whatever it takes, travel whatever distance and pay whatever price to get it. They're going to be a reflection of your commitment. And if you get inspired by your commitment, they will get inspired to be in your office. And you won't be worrying about the trivial things. You'll be too focused on the mission. And when you have a a mission, there's no mortal that can interfere with a mortal visionary who's got a mission. So stick to that and give yourself permission to do something extraordinary in our profession. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking the time to being on the call, uh, Demartini. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for doing it. And I I remember our times together in your office and there in Edmonton at the financial program. And, yep. and uh, so thank you for what you're doing and carrying on the torch and making a difference in the profession. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And so everybody out there, there's, you're going to have to watch this tons of times because there's all, this is all the foundation of everything that I did. It sounds like it might be too easy or basic, but that's where life comes from is from the basics. So for everybody out there, keep shifting. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you've received value from this episode, please share this with a fellow chiropractor and take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever your favorite place is to listen to podcasts. If you're interested in learning more about our programs and events, please visit www.thevitalityshift.com or connect with me on Facebook. I would love to hear from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out. Thank you.